I'm Alan. I'm Kaylee. And my name is Danielle. And you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm the person with the hardest name to spell and the project manager at Broad Digital, aka the chief annoyance officer. I'm also the cutest and don't know enough about anything to have the opinions I have. I'm saying that in advance so that later you understand. I have a real neck tattoo and not a series of Canva flowers pasted on. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kaylee, the senior digital strategist and creative overseer and second Danielle at Broad Digital. I've been working in digital marketing for seven years, specializing in social media advertising and marketing strategy and execution, as well as account management and reporting lead. I've worked on accounts with budgets varying from $300 a month to 1.5 million annual budgets and built strategies for lemonade, corporate AV, precious metals, solar energy, TV streaming, nonprofits, and cow fecal testing kits. I've been working with Danielle in some capacity for six years and happily sneak in wherever is needed when she already has seven other things to do. And I do. I do. I always have seven other things to do. Uh, That would make me Danielle. I am the CEO and Principal Strategy Consultant here at Broad Digital Consulting. Uh, What Kaylee says is true. Man, the cow fecal matter testing kits. That's a hell of a a marketing play, but we did it. I have spent the last almost 15 years now working within advertising and marketing strategy and adjacent types of roles, uh, things like sales and business leadership as well. I opened what is now Broad Digital uh, nearly eight years ago in May. For those, for anybody who's listening who maybe knew me before then, it used to be called Awkward Llama. And uh, we thankfully rebranded back in 2018. <laughs> I have been working with household names really since uh, since we got started with the business. So between all of us here on the podcast, we have a lot of experience and uh, even more opinions. At Broad Digital, we specialize in digital strategy consulting. And what does that even mean? It means that we help your business grow online through getting more leads, making your website better, connecting all your technologies together so they do what they're supposed to do for you, build your content and advertising and email strategies, analyze all of your results and tell you how to get more customers and clients better leads and make your customer and clients even happier than they already might be or just happy in general. Isn't that so easy and not a mouthful to tell your parents? <laughs> for every for every person that's ever asked what it is that we do. <laughs> Anyways, that's pretty much the last time you'll hear us talking about uh, that. Yeah, pretty much. I, like, we're obviously going to talk about our experience and what we do here just to prove our expertise in the area. But, um, you know, I think what, what we've noticed about too many marketing and business podcasts in general is that they're all designed to make you buy stuff from the podcasters. Like, you know, here are business and marketing tips. Now use our tool or like, what's the one? Like, here's how to make eight figures using this one neat, weird trick. And 
and now buy it from me and like that's not that's not what we're here to do uh, we're no. actually not here to sell you anything really uh this whole ass podcast is going to be geared around having interesting conversations about business and marketing that we feel like really need to be had we're really passionate about making business and marketing better for everyone, both for those of us actually doing the business and the marketing, and then those of us who are, what, inflicted by <laughs> the <laughs> business and marketing. Uh, so we want to talk about, you know, how to make it more sustainable and more humane, ethical, responsible. That's not like a product or a service we have packaged to sell for you. It's just like how we work uh, as a team, as consultants, as people, then now we're doing it here. So less like thought leadership and more like trying to be like thoughtful leadership. Wow. Like <laughs> The more you know. <laughs> My co-hosts are super jazzed to be here. Uh, this is our <laughs> launch party. In full transparency, because we care about transparency, it's not the first podcast we've recorded. We have like six or seven episodes we've already recorded, and we're recording this on February 7th to launch on our launch date. It will be the very first pod that you listen to. Hopefully, you got a chance to check out the teaser and the amazing teaser video created by one Kaylee Myers, our creative oversight. But yeah, uh, we we have already recorded a handful of episodes, so I promise like we're all actually super excited to be here. We're all super excited, right? Yay. Yay. Sure. Good. Okay. So <laughs> the energy. <laughs> You've got uh, the blah, blah in the background on what this whole thing is going to be about in future episodes. Uh, I, I mean it. We do really have a lot of cool shit ready for you in the coming weeks. Conversations that I've been really excited about having. I don't know about y'all in terms of like some of the, the conversations we've had have been super fucking interesting. Yeah. And I think interesting for more than just like marketers and business owners. Yeah. My brother was telling me this weekend that he listened to the teaser for our podcast and he was like super like pumped for me. And like, I was like, you're going to listen to the rest of the episodes. And he was like, hell yeah. And then I like had to scramble and think like, did I talk shit about him in any of the episodes? I don't remember. I I'm pretty sure I didn't. He's, he's cool. But like, <laughs> then I thought like, what if he gets bored, you know, uh, because I mean, he's a nurse and not in marketing or business, but I don't know. Then I thought about like the conversations that we've had so far, things like news publications charging for readership or like the quality of search results you get and how different people get different results and how companies love to refer to themselves as a family, but then they overwork you to death and have no problem treating you like not a family when they bounce you out and i don't know i thought like shit that's kind of applicable to everybody really like if you do google searches ever or if you work for a company ever or if you read the news ever like that's a lot of people and those are all episodes coming out yeah you know it's like when the super bowl comes around every year everyone becomes an advertising expert everyone else has their own opinion so it's like that it's like listening to your uncle's opinion on last year's dorito like commercial but with some more pizzazz because we know that it was probably one person's decision at the very top to say go with that one yep we we do we do uh <laughs> 
just uh just the war stories the war stories we've got right but um you know uh for now i digress uh what i really wanted to do because uh both kaylee and alan were like do we really need a launch episode and i was like yeah i really want a launch episode alan do you have any thoughts or feelings about a launch episode now oh wow um no why did you do that <laughs> What you well, see, what like what you didn't see, dear listeners, is that Alan thought they could talk shit in our chat about how I didn't let them talk. But then, when asked for their opinion, you'll note that they didn't have one. They didn't have anything to say. So listen, there was supposed to be space for me. Hell, <laughs> oh my, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i won't do that again everyone <laughs> i thought it was gonna be our little <laughs> no no you just got podcast daddy is what happened <laughs> like that's what happened yeah, um, I that. So, uh so yeah i wanted to do a big launch episode and i know everybody was like we already have episodes why are we doing a launch episode i was like because everybody should know everybody needs to know this is the launch episode and i was really insistent about it and they uh eventually just did it to shut me up so we're here i i tried to make the episode more fun as a result so we're gonna do a little launch party game we're gonna do a little game we're gonna launch party it up to uh yeah yeah see for those of you listening and not seeing there's there's a lot of like gesticulating and like hand movements and things like that going on so we're gonna do a game so that our listeners can get to know each of us and who we are and really how we think on uh certain topics i was actually like when i was putting together the topics to be able to go over I was shocked at like how necessary, like it just reaffirmed over and over and over again, how I think like this is really kind of the moment in the zeitgeist for a podcast like this to talk about marketing and business topics because they're everywhere. And Kaylee, to your point about how like your uncle is a, you know, Super Bowl, like he's an advertising <laughs> expert every year during the Super Bowl. It kind of feels like everybody has an opinion now on platforms which i think is just like the natural like continuation of social media and and you know validating that everybody gets to have an opinion and they're all equal on this platform or something but like there are so many business and marketing topics to tackle and uh I, you know i limited them but like i really do think a lot of these uh it'll be interesting to to get our takes um, and also to uh, to have our listeners kind of get to know us a little bit more about that. So I'm going to list a topic. I'll briefly explain that topic. Each of us then has 20 seconds or less to give their opinion on that topic. You don't see everybody stretching right now. Calisthenics to warm up for these topics. But yeah, I mean, you got 20 seconds to say what you want to say. So it's like, uh, it's like, like speed hot takes, like speedy spicy takes. Does anybody have anything better that uh, we can name that? We are marketers. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, al dente opinions. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should give us 20 seconds to just like creatively riff. Like <laughs> caliente commentary. I don't know. Like... <laughs> Owen? <laughs> the writer? Uh, I was like... 
fast freestyle. Ooh. Um, Ooh. That's not that good. Um, don't. It's not even funny. That's I don't why you know. <laughs> like, uh, that's all. It's so okay. poet. I'm just going to dance. I'm going to be so bad at this game. I'm already bad at this part. I think you're just nervous. It's fine. We'll get, like, you stretched out. Like, we'll get into it, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, okay. 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 Cool. Plus, you're not even first up on the first topic, uh, Kaylee's. So you're going to give me your thoughts, 20 seconds or less. Our first topic is remote work exclusively versus a hybrid model. After so, so many months of remote work, many companies are calling for RTO or return to office. Some are forcing everyone back five days a week. Others are offering a more hybrid model of both remote and in-office work. Although some of those are like one day remote, four days in office, but I digress. What do you think? Kaylee, you've got 20 seconds. Your time starts now. Yeah. So honestly, in my opinion, well, first of all, since college, since I have been in marketing, I have never been like in a forced office situation. So as millennial trash who has only lived hybrid or fully remote, I think like I've gotten successfully to where I have without having to endure in like any of that office bullshit. <laughs> 20, 20 seconds so is so fast, fast y'all. So sum it, up. sum it up. You get a sum up because that life came at you fast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, So basically, I think people that are demanding you return to office, it's just like a measuring contest, if you will, a measuring contest to be like, oh, my office space is in this super hoity-toity place because we're doing so hot. But it's like, okay, but I don't need to work there to get my shit done. I'm probably not going to be able to work there and have to go home and then get all that damn work done anyway. So what we've learned is that we probably actually need more like 40 seconds, <laughs> but our Too producer Margot will kill us and be like, bitch, your launch party needed to be slid into two episodes. It's okay. like would not be surprising at all. Um, but uh, we'll do 20 seconds remote work. Alan, your time starts now. Oh, now? Okay. Okay. I don't care how much they try to spin it about caring about company culture or productivity or whatever. This is bros helping bros like pre panini, a bunch of bros owned office spaces and their bro friends filled it up with their sad little employees. And suddenly no one can use their expensive office spaces and everyone realizes we can do without them. You did it. This is, that's it. Just like period. Wow. thought. Okay, 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 okay. So like, basically, CMO, CEOs are like, but think about the bros. And they like, it's basically like, capitalist corporations helping corporate real estate. Mm-hmm. That's my, totally. that's my opinion. I like I love too that you both were like, um, launch party episode. And now you're like, boom, boom. Oh my God. I have 20 seconds. <laughs> you made it games. You I made it found games. my weak spot. I gamificationed it. 
so remote work uh hybrid versus uh exclusive remote work my time starts now i say why not let everybody do what they want to do if boomers enjoy going to the office that's where they have this sort of second home aspect then let them go to the office if gen x folks like the the and, and millennials like the flexibility of working from home let them do it if Gen Z folks prefer, prefer to work from home or want to get to know their coworkers, let them do that thing. And let's move away from the idea that being present in an office is an indicator of performance. Yes. Scene. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Round We're one. done. We're done. Fighting. Next topic. Alan, you are first up. Okay. Okay. Okay brand activism. So this is about brands taking a stand. Uh, it is increasingly popular for brands to take some kind of stand or uh, social or political take on different topics, different platforms, things like sustainability, climate change, the president, <laughs> um, bodily autonomy, LGBTQ rights, systemic racism, among others. Do you think they should, Alan? 20 seconds starts now. Only if they make me cry a little bit. And I'm kidding. But the short answer is yes. But ultimately, it, they better have trans people in the room making the decisions if they're putting out a pro-trans ad. And the trans people there better be making equal pay and feel very happy at their job. And the ad better lead customers somewhere actionable that they can make a difference if it touches them. Mm, that was nice. Damn, we getting better shit. Ooh. Elevator pitches. Elevator pitches, right? Like, <laughs> should should we like eventually round robin this for what it is that we do? <laughs> I think this might be how we figure that out. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, uh, I am up on brand activism. Uh, my time starts now. Uh, like Alan said, I think they need to back it up. I think that brands should take a stand. I think it's bullshit when people think they're going to lose 50% of people because anybody that they lose by taking a stand, they're going to gain those same people. So that it's going to balance out and they're going to gain better loyalty from the people who agree with that stand. But they have to back it up in not just their uh, employees and work life and culture, but also in the actual uh, output of what the business is doing. They can't be promoting a product or service that ultimately is to the detriment of the group they claim to be protecting. Kaylee, you ready? Yes. Time starts now. Okay. I think it's bullshit. I think ads at the end of the day are trying to sell something. Unless you're genuinely helping the community, like Ronald McDonald House-esque, like literally housing the community you are trying to help, like that is a perfect example of brand activism. It's a nonprofit, but it's still activism. All right. All right. Spicy. Thanks. Spicy. Okay. <laughs> So next topic up is uh, Twitter, our favorite Elon Mustias, as I prefer, uh, <laughs> announced in early February that Twitter would be sunsetting their free API, uh, so free technology for those who are not uh, familiar with API or I think it's application programming interface is what it stands for. Uh, meaning that bot creators would now have to pay a fee to keep their bots going. 
Now, some of the bots are just fun, like Possum Every Hour, which tweets out a possum every hour. Uh, or Magical Realism Bot, that uh, when you tweet at it, it can take your mundane tweet or task and add some magical realism to it. Others are actually helpful, like Thread Reader, uh, which when you tag it, ends up uh, rolling it up into, you know, it like makes it a longer document so you don't have to to go through all the threads and then alt text bot which actually helps make twitter more accessible for uh people with disabilities who may not be able to uh may, may have a visual impairment and so if they can't see images the alt text automatically is generated for those images does it matter that they are taking away this free API and making creators of these bots pay. I've got 20 seconds. My time starts now. I think it does. And I think that not only are you going to make Twitter a less enjoyable place, you're making it a less accessible place and a less utilitarian place. And even though bots for fun are just for fun, the argument is that it keeps people on the platform and you need those daily active users and that engagement rate in order to pitch advertisers that your platform is one that they should be investing in. That was good. That's my take, y'all. Kaylee, okay. you got 20 seconds starting now. I think it was a prop it was probably the easiest blanket solution to the overall Twitter bot problem that the app does have and continue to have. But I'm also sure that one of the thousands of employees he fired could have found an alternative route to achieve a similar goal. Do we have our first under 20 seconds? <laughs> poop, poop, poop. Wow. Is that the first bisexual fat. handguns of the, the first bisexual? <laughs> bisexual <laughs> uh, I I think... Wait, no, bisexual finger guns, bisexual oh. handguns. That means something. <laughs> I was like, why does that not sound right? No, no, but bi bisexual handguns is just a handgun owned by a bisexual. <laughs> finger guns, however, totally different. Yes. Uh, we're fast learners. Self-editing. <laughs> Alan. Twitter bot API. Uh, it's uh, the free version's going away. What is your take? You got 20 seconds starting now. Okay, I didn't know anything about this until you just said something about it and described it. Like I just got on Twitter two years ago and my handle was Alan does Twitter wrong and then Danielle taught me liking my own tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was beat. <laughs> you called me out on Twitter for it. I don't remember. You, that. <laughs> you said, Alan, you can't like your own tweets. And I was, was like, that before what? or after you came to work for me? <laughs> was, 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 that, was that me just gaslighting you and being like, you don't know enough about marketing? Come work for me. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can't though. Like, liking your own tweets. <laughs> but I'm funny. <laughs> They're good. Nobody else is. Oh my god. That's always the worst too. Like, I've had a few tweets go viral, but they're always like the ones that I'm like, no, this isn't that funny. Do that with the oh, other one. Right. Right. 
Like, I, it's, I think my first one that ever went viral was like, it was my first time eating Whataburger. And I was like, what should I get? And it just blew the fuck up. And I'm like, man, this is the least interesting thing I've ever asked. Also, <laughs> hot take, maybe the least interesting fast food meal I've ever had. Whoa. Yeah, I think I threw down with that one. <laughs> Sorry, the podcast might not last, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So next topic that we have is Super Bowl advertising. Is it worth it? Fox sold all of its Super Bowl ad inventory this year, challenging the idea that interest in Super Bowl and Super Bowl ads is waning. Though last year, there was a lot of conversation around uh, how effective these ads really were. Coinbase, for instance, in 2022, did just a floating QR code and uh, they did it for six and a half million dollars for that 30 second floater. And while everybody remembers the floating QR code ad, I'm not sure everyone remembers that it was Coinbase or even what Coinbase does. And I say that as a marketing professional who never stops hearing about the ad, but never hears about who did it and had to look it up for this podcast. (laughs) So, are the six to seven million dollar price tags worth it? Kaylee, you have 20 seconds starting now. I would say no in terms of probably direct uh, generation of revenue to that ad. I do not think the fact that people see your ad during the Super Bowl directly increases sales, nor do you have the ROI to determine that. But the Oatly commercial from like last year or even two years ago, maybe of the dude just playing the piano, singing about oat milk. That's the only one I remember from like recent Super Bowls. I, I switched to oat milk because of it. <laughs> I refuse to drink mm-hmm. Oatly. <laughs> like I refuse. That'll be a podcast for another day, <laughs> but I refuse. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who's next up? Alan, you ready? Yeah. 20 seconds starts now. So I can't imagine this kind of price tag being worth anything less than like a private jet and cozy cottage in the West of Ireland with like full retirement at age 35, you know, like brands dropping that kind of money for one ad while there's increasing disparity in wealth in this country. Like you are awarded 100 yikes. Well done. I actually stopped the alarm because I really liked I, I wanted to hear the the last that that mic drop line the one hundred yikes, one hundred I counted them <laughs> perfect okay, uh here is my take in twenty seconds is that um no I don't think that six to seven million dollars is worth it to Kaylee's point I think that a lot of this is just for visibility and awareness and I guess if you have that kind of money like go ahead and drop it Budweiser Doritos fine. But there are so many good ads from over the years that I don't remember who put them out. I just remember what was in the ad. And that's not really good marketing impact in my professional opinion. Let's move on to Netflix. They had a bit of a password sharing snafu last week. Uh, They supposedly accidentally released information that uh, they would no longer allow users to share passwords on their account, and it caused a little bit of an uproar. They quickly backtracked it, but maybe not before feeling out some backlash potential. So what are our thoughts? 
was it really an accident to release this information? And is it a smart move to restrict people from sharing passwords? Alan, you are first up with 20 seconds. Go. Okay. First, I don't think it was an accident, but I also think it's really smart. And just speaking for me personally, like I feel sneaky when I share passwords, but I don't feel like entitled to it. Like, I feel like I've gotten away with something for like 15 years, you know? Um, So that's what it does suck. And if another streaming giant came along and allowed it and had all the same good shit, I'd go shit. All right. Uh, My take in 20 seconds, starting now. I think it's it was not an accident. I do think it's not a smart move. Ultimately, there's so many logistical nightmares involved in this. What about the Airbnb that I stayed in in Mexico where I had to log into my Netflix account there? How is anybody going to tell? What about long distance relationships or people who share an account and pay for it? The logistics of trying to regulate password sharing are a nightmare in and of itself. And it's not worth the the bad publicity and the bad brand reputation that it engenders. Kaylee, you ready? Yeah. Go. So I don't think it was a mistake that they released all this information. I think they were like super stoked and they were like, we nailed it. And they probably thought they got the answer to the problem of subscribers as well, because they would be like, well, then everyone will just get their own subscription because they're not allowed to share anymore. And the issue is that I unsubscribe until Stranger Things comes out and then I resubscribe and then I unsubscribe again. I feel like everybody did that with <laughs> Game of Thrones too on HBO. Or HBO, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. Next up, I actually just saw this today uh, as I was putting this together. Very recent news as of February 7th, technically that's when we're recording this. Uh, Twitter is considering charging brands uh, and businesses up to $1,000 a month to have a gold checkmark indicating that they are verified. Honestly, the only supporting argument that I could find about this is that it's worth it to have your brand verified so that customers absolutely know that it's your brand. But is that enough? I am first up with my take starting now. Hell no, it's not fucking worth it. $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 a year. And if the whole reason is to make sure that your customers know that it's you, what kind of hellscape has Musty Ass created that anybody can doctor their Twitter profile to usurp a brand? Like, that's not the brand's problem. That's inherently a fucking platform problem, and that's on him to fix. Kaylee? Yeah, I think this is just his answer ever since the first verification wave where people started saying they were like Nintendo and then making Mario memes and saying that they were the official account. But like overall, the people who need to be verified are small businesses and they are not going to pay $1,000 a month to be verified. They barely think it's worth paying for social media. Like, uh, what was it the? The cost of which drug? Why am I forgetting it? The EpiPen. Was, yeah. or no, 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 no. It was the cost insulin? of insulin. Insulin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Uh-huh. That uh, the cost of insulin that somebody like parodied or, or said that they were Eli Lilly, who makes the insulin and said that it was going to only be $20 a month and everybody lost their minds. And then Eli Lilly had to be like, no, guys, that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Alwyn, what's your take? I can't imagine anybody feeling comfortable doing this while Twitter is in such a an unstable place anyway. Like, even if it benefited them, like, Twitter just gives me the squick right now. And I, I wouldn't trust them with any amount of my money. Like, I could be like, I'm going to wait a couple years and see how this plays out. No Did you say the squick? Yeah, like, dude. The it's like the ick, ick. but also squicky. Like, like it's, it, What's yeah, a it's like a squishy ick. What's squick? It's a squishy oh, ick. Oh, it's a squishy which is ick. No, no, no. Ick. Don't, don't make it a portmanteau. Alan, <laughs> you ruined this. The Gen Z thought that we had a cool term <laughs> that she never heard. I'm not Gen and Z. And we could have lorded it over her. Put a caption up for a young millennial. Brought something back or made it cool. And instead, you were like, no. it's a squishy ick. Like, <laughs> it's a squishy ick. I, like, I. I'm not a regular millennial. I'm a cool. This is like opportunity <laughs> squandered for literally ever. Especially since, like, you, you thank you for your your relevant pop culture reference from a movie that's like <laughs> twenty years old. I mean, still, admittedly, one of the best of all time. But like, come on! I think I quote Mean Girls once an episode. Once an e- <laughs> yeah, and I would get the counter I, ready. <laughs> gonna try and fit it in one of these times. I'm gonna challenge you to insert it. Like, like we're gonna go for a record. <laughs> I do really want to see I want to see that real mashup, but okay. (laughs) The DOJ, good old Department of Justice, is talking about breaking up Meta and Google. We've been hearing rumors about this for years. The government thinks that these two companies are monopolies. They want to break them up to spread the wealth. Uh, One thing the government hasn't really cared about, though, is soliciting the opinion of people who work in it every day. They, for instance, have never called me to ask even how I feel. So fucking rude. (laughs) Is it a good thing to break these bitches up? Kaylee, what do you think? I would say yes, especially Google. You know, Google is up to a lot of stuff. But they specifically purchased their direct competitors and they have been building within the same overall realm. Meta tends to just like purchase things that are going to be they think are going to be really big and then duplicate what they see other people do well. I think it shouldn't be broken up, though, just because like you don't want one company to have all your data. It should be broken up. Yeah, I don't think you want one one singular company to have all of your information like that. What could go wrong? (laughs) Owen, what do you think? Yes. I I think monopolies are bad. (laughs) Thumbs up. 20 seconds. But but honestly, I'm sorry. (laughs) But I just, like, like, it's like, what if I was like, no. What if? What they if they deserve you were a like, chance? No. Okay. Imagine. Google's the underdog. <laughs> oh my god. Danielle's gonna come right. in and be like, I'm no. gonna come in with my 20 seconds and say, yeah, they should be broken up, but uh everybody who works in them in terms of advertising, and that includes small businesses who advertise, if they get broken up, you should prepare 
for everything to get more expensive. Your ads mm -hmm. will get more expensive. Your cost per action will get more expensive and your vendors will get more expensive because there will be more platforms and more specialists required. So yes, while I agree, no one company should have all of that data, shit's gonna get real fucking pricey. They're gonna make sure we pay for it regardless. Speaking of those social platforms, everybody is uh, is always trying to copy one another. Uh, this is something that that was just mentioned, actually. Uh, you know, Instagram's trying to be TikTok, and TikTok's trying to be real. And LinkedIn had like stories for a hot mm -hmm. second. You remember that? Like, who was doing that? YouTube and, like, has shorts. What are that? What's that? It's what the are same. That? It's what are that? It's yeah. stories. But like they're pushing so much towards their algorithm with that. Anyway, ask the question. Quick. Quick. Yeah, and like Twitter's basically trying to reinvent itself as Reddit anyway. So what the fuck is going on here, Alan? This has been going on forever. First of all, platforms are always going to try and stay relevant, and because they've been able to steal and mimic functions and features since platform options became a thing, who'd stop them? I don't think that they will stop the evolution altogether of people jumping platforms. Like another platform will come around and the youths will take it over and we will all look ancient and dumb sharing TikToks on this platform someday. <laughs> like we continue to look ancient and dumb because you couldn't just keep squicking your pants. <laughs> I won't let it go. <laughs> No, you don't need to. <laughs> um, uh, all right, I am up. And what I think is essentially, uh, I wish that, that platforms would stop trying to copy each other. I think that everybody has, there's enough revenue to go around without trying to make your app the super platform and just like let it be what it is and stop trying to ruin it for everybody. Cater to your audience. It's like, I have a PC, but I like iMessage. Why can't I fucking use both? It's shit like that just pisses me off. Word. Haley. Yeah. So my thought is that the biggest problem is the people who are running these social networks are no longer the generation that determines what trends are. So they just keep copying off of one another because they're like, oh, that's what the young kids are doing. But we're not the young kids anymore. Like you need to then hire young kids to make something new instead. But no one wants to do that. Okay, that was like really fucking insightful, first Thanks. of all. And second of all, you don't get to just decide which team you're on in any given moment, okay? Because Danielle, like- You should know more wow. than anything. I can switch sometimes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Not to make it weird, that was just a bisexual reference. That's, that's, that's all it is, that it wasn't- Switching uh, a lot it of wasn't, it's not the other one. I feel I like that sounds that. way worse than it actually was. Sure, sure, sure. Danielle knows. <laughs> cool. Uh, what's our next topic? Uh, Google is going cookie-less. Google, they, they keep telling us they're going to stop tracking our activities for the marketers. They keep pretending to prepare us as marketers, and then they keep pushing it back. Uh, will it happen? Should it happen? I'm going to tell you in 20 seconds. 
I think that it should happen. I wish that it would. I wish that companies would be forced to pay for not preparing for this because we have essentially been preparing our, our clients forever to start shifting towards one par first party data. There is no reason that you can't develop a marketing strategy that people actually like and aren't bothered by. And we should be pushing businesses to, to jump in and do that thing and stop relying on other platforms to keep all of our data for us. Kaylee, yeah. what are your thoughts? So first of all, like, hey, Google, when? When is this happening? Overall, I think it should happen, but people are going to initially be super jarred when it happens because they're going to lose a personalization that even though it scares them, they enjoy. When you get ads that don't make sense to what you like, which I know because I have to look at ads for everyone, like you, it's an awful experience. That's a really great point, Bailey. Alan, would you care to weigh in? Yeah, my completely original thought is that I like personalized ads. They helped me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it helps. Go. <laughs> they helped me on my trans journey in particular. Like it's how I found my binder. That's my favorite. Though I would find it funny for, like to get an ad for a t-shirt that says these colors don't run USA. <laughs> and ultimately, like if that happened over and over, like. I would be bummed. So I don't know a ton on this subject, but I do wonder if this is the privacy solution that we all think it is. That's an excellent My thought answer. is, yes, because I hate opting into things. I would prefer people just follow what I'm doing because I <laughs> hate signing up for stuff. And that's the only way they can get my data. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think, and I, I think that's interesting because as a as a user, as a consumer, I agree with the both of you. And as a marketer, I'm like, no, so <laughs> totally, totally different. And you just don't know what you're going to get when you play speedy spice. Caliente commentary. Caliente commentary. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next topic is uh, brand DE&I efforts. DE&I, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a hot topic for businesses right now. Uh, you will see different uh, diversity trainings on, you know, how white people can be less shitty to like anybody else just in general. Uh, there's a lot of trainings that happen around it. There's a lot of supposed efforts that are going on to uh, be better to people who uh, I identify with marginalized communities inside the workplace. But studies are showing that thus far efforts have not actually been very impactful where they need to be which is benefiting employees of marginalized identities. So what's going on, Kaylee? So my thought is that the people who would most benefit from these trainings, listening to these speakers are the people who aren't going because they maybe work a little higher up and they don't think that they need to be a part of these things and they don't think they need to grow. So I love the idea of building community within those corporations, but my thought is probably the people who need to go most are the ones who aren't attending or don't even need to. Fair. Alan, what do you think? 
I'm going to take it a step further and say that for DEI efforts to be effective, it would require relinquishment of power from above. Like you can't just educate the lower echelons, you know, your cishet white dude CMO needs to literally give up his position. And not only that, he needs to give it up to somebody that did not have to give up everything they are in order to climb the ladder and be considered for the position. Alan just uh, made our podcast not a favorite for (laughs) most GMOs (laughs) everywhere. Uh, Yeah, good, good. All right. Kneecapping us before we get started running. That's great. Don't, don't. Uh, All right. Yeah. In 20 seconds, uh, I think that I, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I also think that ultimately we aren't seeing any impact because too many people refuse to believe that they're the problem. And that occurs at every level of the organization. Uh, You know, when you tell people that they have to go through some kind of a a diversity training, but it's either A, not uh, taken seriously, or B, you see that everybody that's going through it is still doing the bad thing because, and I'm taking a, a second longer because I think this is important, that especially for liberal and progressive minded people, of which I think we would all count ourselves, there is often uh, this idea that they don't need improvement because they already support the cause in some way. So there's no way they could be uh, contributing to systemic racism, ableism, sexism, um, uh, homophobia, anything like that. So that's why I don't think they're impactful because everybody wants to believe it's somebody else's actual problem. Sorry, I broke the rules, everybody. Part of that was was because I couldn't actually remember my answer and I had to like talk my way out. (laughs) Your game, we're just playing in it. So, hey, (laughs) let's talk about quiet quitting. Uh, This was all the rage at the end of last year. Oh, and I saw your eye roll in that too. Media companies are, we're talking about quiet quitting, which is defined best as I can tell as only working the hours that people are getting paid for and not going above and beyond. It was supposed to be a big old scare for businesses. Is it, Alan? It's spooky. You're telling me that people are finally only working the hours they're getting paid for and that has a name other than doing their job? Like, say less, literally. Boom. Wow. Don't drop the mic because, like, you know, it's a nice one, but, like, (laughs) hey... That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Makes me so mad. <laughs> I'm glad I got to be <laughs> So my take ultimately is, yeah, exactly that. Like people are should do the job that they're paid for. I'm tired of the, well, work the job that you want to get promoted to to prove that you can handle it in order for us to give it to you because I know I've done that kind of work and have never seen the actual impacts. There's always something that comes up that says, oh, sorry, we can't give it to you because of X, Y, and Z, or eventually companies are like, well, you were already doing all this work for this money. So now that's just part of your job too. So that when you go back to your quiet quitting, all you're doing is quitting tasks that you were never fucking paid for in the first place. Kaylee? 
I think it goes back to our return to office kind of dynamic where you, if you're working in an office space where they're like, it's a nine to five, but you have to be there at 8.59 and you can't leave before 5.01. Like, it's just for your boss. It's not for you. It's not for your benefit. It's not because of performance. Like, it's just to make your boss happy. And that's bullshit. Succinct. I like it. All right. Unlimited PTO policies are our next topic. Seems like the dream to have unlimited paid time off, but some companies use unlimited PTO policies against their employees. They exploit employees with it. They know employees won't take any more time off than normal studies have shown. They monitor excess and companies don't have to pay out uh, your PTO if you leave because there wasn't any to begin with. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Kaylee? Okay, unlimited PTO is a great thing because guess what? The people that use your unlimited PTO, you probably don't want as employees and aren't good employees. And you have a bigger issue to them with like a bigger fish to fry. But when it comes to employees that actually enjoy doing their work, I mean, Danielle has to tell me to take breaks a lot of times. I really hope that that you guys aren't like lifting up unlimited peach as background that's what we have (laughs) well no 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 because i've had job interviews before that have been like you know we get like a month pto but it's crazy no one uses it and i was like i don't trust that that's because they feel comfortable not using it it's because they're scared (laughs) sure sure absolutely alan what do you think i actually have more nuanced opinion like i feel good about it in my position with this company, but I feel suspicious of it with bigger companies Mm. for these exact reasons. And for me, I would be like more inclined to want to pay out of my PTO that I don't take than to have this nebulous kind of anytime, anywhere, but we're watching you type of deal. Absolutely. I mean, I'll start my own timer. You know, yeah, we have unlimited PTO here at Broad, but that was literally because I wanted unlimited PTO for myself and I didn't want to have to abide by a calendar. So I was like, well, everybody else should have that too. And genuinely, I don't pay attention because I can't fucking afford to, like, I don't have fucking time to pay attention to shit like that. So, I mean, I think that depending, you know, it depends entirely on the on the policy and how it's executed. But I do think a lot of bigger companies use it as exploitation. Mm-hmm. Alan walked literally walked away from the podcast to, I guess, do things in like their normal life or something. Uh, Are you and wearing their- a bolo tie? No, it's a sweatshirt. No, no. <laughs> Just a sweatshirt that, by the way, for the first 10 minutes had a crusty Dorito on it and nobody said anything. I I pulled it off. I was like, oh my God, you wore a bolo tie. You got so dressed up today. It's <laughs> getting dressed up for that podcast. <laughs> getting dressed up. Our last two things. Uh, I really want to know what big thing in marketing and advertising we should watch out for in 2000, 2023 what uh what's going to be the next big thing and also what one thing should we stop doing so what to look out for and what to ditch kaylee tell us i think the biggest thing to look out for in 2023 is going to be authenticity especially for small businesses being to either put a face to the brand and genuinely show how you interact with your community or your customers that's going to be ultimately what drives whether it's through tiktoks 
Instagram posts, uh, just regular social media, or even just regular email, just continuing to be your most authentic self and brand is going to help you grow in 2023. The one thing you should stop doing now... Oh, God, stop making unsubscribing so hard. Stop. Please stop making me go through five pages of things and choose each individual email I don't want to receive because I'm asking to unsubscribe. Thank you. Perfect. Alan? (laughs) I want to say risk-taking is going to be big in the next year because I think that happens when it coincides with an economic depression is that, or recession, is that like people are going to need to take calculated risks and some of them are really going to pay off. Mm -hmm. That's really good. And then stop doing this thing now. Uh, User experience shit is driving me nuts uh, as a consumer. And I'm like, I really like stop not paying attention to that thing because I literally will ditch a website or ditch a shopping cart if I'm having too many user experience issues. I have never dropped something hotter than Paramount Plus because of that user experience. It's horrific. I can't go one episode without it. It won't go immediately to the next. It goes back to like the whole list. Yeah. Well, talk about like the fucking Hulu Plus, like the the TV one where yeah. like getting like every year or like it is Hulu Plus and it's it's another organization. I don't remember every year during postseason baseball. You, my husband can hear me from all rooms in the house shouting, why won't you just let me pay you? Because I'm trying <laughs> to get access to the postseason. And it's like, I have to go through like seven different screens and call somebody's grandma and then Mm -hmm. come back and run around in circles three times. And like, no, it's 100%. What I think is going to be, you know, a big thing in 2023, obviously, uh, I think that there are lots of jobs that are still available and we've got lots of people now in the market. And this year, uh, similar to what you said, Alan, with, you know, recessionary behavior tends to uh, precipitate a lot of risk taking. I think that you've got a lot of people who were laid off inside of the tech space that know that they can go out and create. And I think that whenever you have a lot of layoffs, uh, you have a, a whole crop of new potential freelancers and business owners. And so I think that businesses should be on the lookout for hiring those people and potentially letting people run their own you know, little business and hire lots of vendors, uh, which is cheaper than hiring full-time staff. Stop doing this one thing now. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go a little bit like a little bit like ethereal here. Uh normally I have lots of like stop doing this one thing now like marketing specific shit, but maybe it's just because of the day I've had today and the conversations I've had today and also like the last week I want people to slow the fuck down. I want people to pause. I know that like we are all always busy. Everybody here on this podcast is always fucking busy. Everybody who's listening to this podcast is likely busy like a lot of the fucking time. And I am somebody who is guilty of like always, oh man, I'm so busy. Oh my God, I'm slow I am today. Everything's on fire. Like I'm that person and I get it. 
But like, there are so many misunderstandings that I feel like I've seen that I, I've been paying attention to more since the beginning of the year that could have just been solved by somebody slowing down, myself included. And that's like, I read an email too fast. I didn't read an email at all. I had an interaction with somebody today where they literally just like, like two separate people in a conversation did not read the message that I sent them correctly. And the answer they provided me was to a question that nobody was asking, least of all me. And so we went around and around and around. And if they had taken an extra one minute or less to read through what I was saying and what my question was, we could have saved ourselves. I'm not even shitting you an hour of back and forth. Mm -hmm. We are too, like, we are constantly too busy to, like, move slowly. But when we don't move in a thoughtful way, we actually cost ourselves a lot more fucking time mm -hmm. with either rework or being blocked or having the same conversations over and over again. And I just, I was my long fucking winded answer of saying, like, I just, I wish we would all just slow down and stop thinking we're too busy to pay thoughtful attention and like mm -hmm. engage a little bit. Wow. Amen. Deep, big, if true. Uh, that is our show, but uh, we hope that you enjoyed our launch party episode and getting to know us and just our takes on things a little bit that it will ultimately be a preview for the next uh, series of episodes that you'll get. They won't all look like this. They won't all be the caliente commentary, uh, I think is what Kaylee referred to it as. It will be back. Uh, like, what's this vampire accent? <laughs> they won't all be that. That They will be interviews. There'll be panel discussions. But we're going to be talking about a lot of these same topics. We hope that you will join us for future episodes. Thanks again. Yes, please. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital, that's B-R-O-A-D dot digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 